God bless you all for uh, this time uh, that you come to spend with us as a church. I know it's on Zoom, um, but nonetheless, it's a time of fellowship. We still believe wherever two or three are gathered in the name of Jesus that is in the midst of us. Um, and I, I believe that this is another way of gathering in the name of Jesus. That's what we, we've got to do. So Jesus Christ, in his great power and his great glory, uh, is in the midst of us, uh, ready to work and ready to do what he needs to do, whether it be through song, whether it be through his word. Um, I pray this morning that you are that you are blessed. You are blessed indeed. Uh, but thank you, and I pray that um, you are blessed by the things that you that you hear and that you listen. We don't claim to be anything special, but we do claim one thing: that we want to never stop preaching the word of truth, uh, because it's the truth that sets people free. We're not a glamorous church, but I do believe we're a church who is faithfully committed to serving God through the preaching of His truth uh, and to be a voice of truth, a voice of truth in a world where truth is drowning. Uh, and I pray that we, you pray for us, that we can continue to be that voice of truth. Let's pray. Let's ask the Lord's blessing on today's word. Uh, and I pray that you are encouraged as you listen to the, to the voice of God, uh, not my voice, but the spirit of God as he speaks into your heart. So let's pray together as a church. Loving Father, thank you for this morning, Lord. Thanks for um, the opportunity and the privilege to have what we have. Um, even though it's not face-to-face -face still, Lord, we know and trust that you still work. And I pray, Lord God, that this morning your spirit may move uh, in the hearts of every listener, every heart that is open, young and old. Uh, they are ready and they are uh, listening uh, to what you have to say. I pray in the name of Jesus that you do the work that needs to be done. I need you, Lord. We need you, Lord. And I pray your hand be upon all that is said now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, I wanted to start with, with this thought, the idea that this morning and, and every day of the week, of course, that the church, the church of Jesus Christ never closes. Amen. The church never closes. Uh, even though physically the building is closed, you walk past the building, you see the, the gates are up and the gates shut and the doors are locked and all those sorts of things. The physical building is closed. We know as the body of Christ, we know that the church never closes. In fact, that's why I think God calls it the body because the body is always alive and the, the body is always, always working. And uh, because of this, I believe that we all have this um, responsibility as the body uh, to keep doing the things that God has asked us to do because it doesn't close. It is still open. Yeah. Amen. The church is still open. Let me illustrate this to you in a very, very practical way. Uh, for those who are willing and those who are, um, you know, are okay to do this, I want you to flick your videos on for a moment and just take, just quickly wave to one another. I want you to flick your videos on and just a quick wave to one another. If you want to go into gallery view, you're welcome, or if someone can do that for us, uh, you're, very, you're very welcome. Just a quick wave and just see even, even a quick hi. I want to illustrate this to you because uh, at the end of the day, what you're looking at, what you're looking at at the moment uh, is the church that's open. Yeah, this is the church that's open. Uh, the church hasn't closed. And so you see, if you're breathing, I don't know if the last time you checked, if you're still breathing, yeah, then the church is still open. Uh, and I think, uh, and I think we need to remember that. As, as, I, as I share with you this morning, we need to remember something quite significant um, about that. So, um, so uh, you, can, you can flick your videos off now. And I pray that there is, there is a, you know, a way that you are able to stay in contact uh, with each other uh, during, during these times. I've been thinking a little bit about this idea of, of service, this idea of you know, the fact that church doesn't close uh, and that we are in the, in the act of service 
and, and that the Christian is called to this act of service. And um, I've just been thinking a little bit about that. And um, I wasn't sure quite sort of what to quite title the message. And, and I'm thinking to perhaps, you know, I don't know, maybe I'll, maybe I'll do a little bit of a series on it. Maybe I'll do, you know, two or three messages on it. I'm not too sure. Maybe it'll just be this message. I'm not too sure. But the idea that, that this idea of service, and I was thinking, what would I title something like this? What would, I, what would I title if I had to sort of think of something that can kind of capture what I'm trying to say? So I come up with some, some possible thoughts. You know, I could look at the heart the heart of service. What is it to actually have a, a heart of service? Okay, so that would be good because I would look at the condition of the heart and what is needed when the Christian says to the Lord, here, Lord, I am, I want to serve you. Yeah, um, here I am, Lord, send me. Um, and so this this idea, this idea of the heart, and that could that could work quite well. You know, or another another thought would be the the, char the characteristics of a servant. You know, what would, what would be the characteristics of a servant? Similar thing, yeah. What would you be? What would you identify as someone who you look at them and think, wow, they're a servant of God. They're a servant of God. And can you imagine all the people in the Bible that I could look at? And and I and I plan to look at some of these people. But could you imagine all the, the characteristics of servants in the Bible? Mate, there's a flood of them, you know. And we could unpack and explore these ideas of the of the um of the servants that we see in the scriptures. And hopefully by the end of that, you would have identified yourself and saw yourself as like them, not someone they're up here and you're here. You know, because that's the idea of scripture. How many churches today, how many people today say, oh, look at all these great men and women in the Bible and, and put them up there. And they forget that at the end of the day, they're not up there. What they are, they're you and me empowered by the spirit of God to do the, the work of God in the time that God permitted for them. Sounds like us today, doesn't it? People who follow the Lord, empowered by the spirit of God in the time that God has designated for us today. And so you could look at the character characteristics of a servant. Um, I think I had another one. Um, the other, the one I could possibly look at is um, saved to serve. The idea of saved to serve. You know, the idea that you're not saved to then uh, rest and go on automatic pilot and then make your way into heaven, or you're saved. You think, oh, phew. You know, I've got into heaven and then you can kick back and just enjoy your life and build your kingdom on this earth. You know, uh, this idea that if you're saved, you're saved to serve. You know, and, and that would be quite a legitimate title again. This idea that, you know, that you're not saved for selfish reasons. You're not saved. If you have freely received, then you are to freely give. Amen. So this idea that being saved to serve would be a quite a legitimate title as well. And I don't look, I don't even know what it's going to end up becoming when it goes on the internet. They'll probably come up with something that's very, very different to what I've shared with you now, you know. But but what I'd like to title, if I was to title something like this, what I'd like to title something like this would be um, basically like basically the miracle of service. The miracle of service. Now it doesn't mean it's not it's not any better as a title. It doesn't necessarily uh, maybe maybe it doesn't sort of um, mean. Uh, something more significant, maybe, but it captures it captures what I'm trying to communicate to you. This idea of the miracle of service, because anybody, listen carefully, anybody who says this morning, you know what, I want to serve God, I want to be in the service of God. Anybody who says that genuinely in their hearts this morning, I say to those people, what a miracle. This is a miracle. This is a miracle that you want to serve the Lord. Because by nature, the last thing you want to do is serve God. 
that by nature, the last thing that you want to do is, is serve the creator of this universe. Your, your, your inbuilt selfish desires take you away from this idea of serving God. Now, I'm not talking about, um, you know, sort of acts of service that you can add on to your lifestyle because they're convenient. I'm not talking about that because anybody can do that. A nice, good humanitarian worker can do that. Uh, a nice um, church-going man or woman can do that. You know, they can add nice little acts of service to what they do. But I'm talking about the desire to serve the Lord, to make him Lord in all your service. This, in all your life, this act of service, if you desire to do this, if this is your, if you have an interest in doing this, then this in itself is a miracle. Because I tell you the truth, there are going to be people who are going to be um, um, feel like this is all too much for them. There's going to be people who, who don't want to do this because the act of service isn't, you, you might be thinking to yourself, oh, it's, it's going, to, going to be all too hard or it's going to be, um, you know, you're not, you're not noticed enough or it's, it's, it's thankless. Who's going to thank me for it? Or I'm not capable enough. I'm not worthy enough. And I don't read enough. I, I don't know what goes through your mind. But at the end of the day, there's still going to be a lot of things or, or I'm not interested enough because there are so many things I want to do in life. There's going to be so many things that are going to push against the idea of, <clears throat> of serving the Lord. And so when you say, and if you honestly in your heart say, you know, I want to serve God. I want to serve him. That in itself is a miracle. Now, whether you are uh, young in faith or even young in age, imagine combining those together. Imagine someone who's young in faith and young in age and, and, the, and, and the, the challenges that come with that. Or whether you're someone that's young in faith but old in age, whatever the situation is, or whether you're old in faith and old in age, whatever the situation is, there's going to be things, I'm sure, that are going to push against the idea of serving God. But this morning, this morning, if in your heart there is a genuineness and you say, God, I want to serve you, then that in itself is truly a miracle. God has done something in your life that has drawn you out, has brought you out, has rescued you from an, a selfish lifestyle to the place of saying, God, you who made me, you deserve all I can give you. That is a miracle. That is a miracle, in, in particularly in the world in the world that we live in, we live in today. And so, so anyone who desires to do this is is truly a living miracle. So, so I know when I first became a Christian, um, um, one thing I decided to want to do is pick up a few chords in the guitar with the guitar. Yes, I used to, you know, I used to play around a little bit. And I had a friend, had a friend at university who taught me a few chords and the first song I learnt and I loved the song you know some of you will know this song it's an old song but the first song I learnt is a song that was dear to my heart because it was something I guess not only I was excited I could play it you know it was probably three chords but um, I was excited because I loved the words to it as well too and it was a very simple song and it was seek ye first the kingdom of God. Yeah, seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. You know, it's a very simple song. But but what was beautiful about it and what I love, why, and the, other, the other reason why I love singing is because it was true to my heart. When I first got my heart to look, this is what I wanted. I wanted to seek first the kingdom of God. When you say seek first the kingdom of God, 
what you automatically are saying <clears throat> is that there are a lot of things in your life you don't you no longer want to seek. There are a lot of things in your life that you know are going to get in the way of seeking the kingdom of God. There are a lot of things that are going to, to become a problem in seeking the kingdom of God. But you just you decide that you want to seek God's kingdom. And I love singing that song, perhaps because it was one of the first songs I learned, but also perhaps because it was one of those songs that were close to my heart as well. But it's a miracle. It's a miracle. How on earth can a teenage boy decide to give his life to the Lord and then learn a very simple song that says, seek the kingdom of God and be so joyful? Not by natural work, but by the spirit of God, the spirit of God that's working, the same spirit that's working today. So I want you to consider some of the following things. Listen carefully. You might think, oh, these are a bit strange, it's a bit odd, but I want you to consider the following things. You bake something for your neighbour, okay? Uh, you text a scripture to a friend, okay? Uh, you catch up with a friend. Uh, you, you share the gospel with someone, maybe a stranger you've never met before. Uh, you offer to help a brother with something or a sister with something. You pray privately for someone who has a need. You lead some kind of group or small group or study in some ways. You help someone financially because you're in a position to be able to do this and on and on and on. Listen carefully, brothers and sisters. Anything you do, anything you do in the name of Jesus is a service unto him. And I want to encourage you this morning that this service is a miracle. But this service, God has plastered all over the scriptures so that we can understand what is required of us. Because it's not just a text message. It's not just baking something. It's not just sharing the gospel with someone. In all this, you enter into a life that is going to be sold out for God. It's not as something you add on to your life. It's something you become. And you don't know what it's going to look like. You don't know what it's going to feel like. You, you don't know that. I can't even tell you what it's going to be like. I can't explain to you what it's going to look like. I can't quantify it for you. I can't say it's going to be three days a week, six hours a day, or it's going to be seven days a week, one hour a day, or you need to read this much of your Bible and pray that much of the day. I can't even quantify it for you. I can't. What I know is this, that when you put your hand to the plow, and you say to Jesus, I am yours. He determines what that's going to look like. But the miracle happens because you say to God, here I am. That's the miracle. And God takes this man and takes this woman and says, okay, you're ready. Let me show you what is required. Let me show you what to consider now. And that's what I hope and pray that today and maybe next week and maybe the week after, that's what I hope and pray that you would seriously contemplate, reflect, consider that this is the miracle of service. Maybe you can even say the miracle and the joy of service. Of service. And I want to look at a few scriptures to help, I suppose, uh, help us understand and reflect on this. Maybe this morning you, you're listening and you think, oh, it's not for me. I'm sorry. <laughs> I apologise if it's not for you. Maybe you're listening this morning and you think, oh, I'm familiar with what he's going to say. I apologise if, uh, if it's not for you, you know. But for those of you this morning who doubt, 
or who desire, I pray that you listen. I pray that you listen. And I pray that you're reflective and in the understanding that the Lord, the mighty God, who from the beginning of time called his people out of this world to be a light to the rest of the world, that you would understand this morning what this miracle and this joy of service is. Can I start by saying this? That it's a, and I will get to our scripture in a moment, but I'll, I'll just I'll just want to quote a few scriptures first of all, and then we're going to look at a passage in Titus chapter two uh, in a little while. But let me just share with you some scriptures uh, in a, just just to lead up to that passage in Titus. Firstly, let me share with you that this is a service for all. Okay, this is a service for all Christians. This isn't a service that is um, uh, allocated and designated for the few. Okay, it's for all. And we know this because it's throughout the scripture. We know this because God calls his people in different parts, in different ways, to do different things for the kingdom of God. In 1 Peter, when Peter was talking to the Christians and he was saying, you know what, you being a Christian in itself is going to get pushback. You're going to get opposition. You're going to get resistance. You're going to get people who don't like what you're doing, okay? And, and, and that's not going to be comfortable. You know, anyone who wants to be a Christian because it's comfortable has got it all upside down. It's not going to be like this. And he speaks to these people who were facing quite heavy opposition and heavy resistance. And he says this to them. He says, I want you to sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. And I always want you to be ready. I always want you to be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. First Peter 3. What's Peter saying to the people? Listen. I know that in the service of God, as you walk with the Lord, as you follow the Lord, as you're a Christian, you're going to get people who aren't going to like it or aren't going to like you. Now, really, they don't like you because I don't like Christ. Don't take it so personally. You get that? They don't like you because I don't like Christ. So you don't take it so personally. The idea is, he says, that when they push against you, I want you to sanctify God in your hearts. I want you to have Jesus in the right place. And then I want you to always be ready, always be ready to give a defense, a reason, an understanding, an explanation of the hope that is in you. Because in all this situation, the Christian has hope and the Christian should be able to explain and articulate and share this great hope. Now, not with great theological terms. It could be very simple terms, but you give reason for this hope in you. Wow, you know what? I was such a sinner. You know, I was going down a really destructive path. I was getting into things that were really serious. You know, I thought myself to be so good. I had all the wealth that I needed. Whatever the situation might be until Jesus revealed to me that what's a prophet of man that he gains the whole world and loses his soul. Or that until Jesus revealed to me that, um, that if, if I come to him with all my sins, he'll forgive me as far as the east is from the west. Whatever your story is, whatever your testimony is, the thing is we all, we are all in the act of service. Because Peter says quite simply, when you get this pushback, Always be ready to give a defense for anyone who asks about this hope that's in you. Not only is this service for all, brothers and sisters, but it's a blessing for all. It's a blessing. When you come into the service of the Lord, there is a great blessing. And then when God calls something blessed, it is blessed indeed. Now, Paul, to illustrate this, Paul uses a bit of logic in, in the book of Romans chapter 10. He uses a bit of logic and he uses this kind of, like, he, says, he says something like this. It's almost like a, um, a bit of a timeline. He says something like this. And he's talking about the unbelieving community. So he's saying, how can they call on God if they haven't believed? Yeah, that makes sense. How can anyone call on God if they don't believe in God? 
right, listen. He goes, but then how are they going to believe in God if they haven't heard? Okay, well, that makes sense. They can't believe if they haven't heard. And then he goes into more logic. He says this, and how can they hear if there's no preacher? Oh, yeah, that makes sense. They can only hear if there's a preacher and they can only believe if they hear. Okay, makes sense. And then he says this, and how shall they preach unless they're sent? Now, I don't think Paul's saying here this is the verse for missionaries. This is like the missionary verse. Go and and I, I think it is related to that. But he's talking about everyone who has come to know the truth of Jesus. And God says to them, go. Sends them so that people can hear and that people can believe and so that people can call on the Lord. And then he says this, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. How beautiful, how blessed, how wonderful, how amazing are the feet. I don't know, what do you think about feet? Do you like feet? Do you love feet? Jesus tells us the feet of those who go, who go and share the good news. How beautiful, blessed, wonderful, amazing are those feet. Because they get up and they move in the opposition that they are facing and they consider the gospel more important than their comfort. He goes, wow, how blessed they are. They bring the good tidings to the world. These are the same people who bring the tidings that the angels spoke like to the shepherds, that this is Jesus. They say to the shepherds, we bring you glad tidings of great joy. This is what we do. The same honour, if you like, the the angels had for the shepherds is the same honour we have when we take this to others. It is a service to all. It is indeed a blessing for all. Do you get that? For all who come and say to God, God, here I am, here I am to serve. The miracle and the joy, if you like, of service. One thing I'm convinced of, brothers and sisters, and it's this. There is, and I've seen it again and again and again. I've experienced it and I've seen it in many, many people in the church over the years. The one thing that is very hard to stop a Christian from doing, very hard to stop a Christian from doing, and that is to serve his or her God. It's very hard to stop them. It's very hard. The one who is authentically, genuinely in love with the saviour of their souls, the one who has tasted and felt and experienced the forgiveness of God, the one who has been washed by the blood of the lamb, it is, can I say, maybe impossible to stop them from serving the Lord. It's impossible There is something that is going to open up for them. There is something that they are going to commit to. There is something. You're not going to see them um, lazy. You're not going to see them complacent. You're not going to see them um, uh, ignorant of these things. This is something that they may not know, can't understand what they're doing initially, but at the end of the day, it's very hard to stop them. 
And so what we see is this natural, natural uh, desire to want to be in the service, in the service of God. Because this is what God does. This is part of the, the plan, the plan of God. I want to illustrate it in a few ways. And we'll get to Titus. We'll get to Titus. And if we don't, we'll get to Titus next week. God illustrates this all throughout the scriptures. And I want you to consider where you are today. As someone who follows the Lord, genuine, the church doesn't close. The church is open. It's you. As someone who's in this place, I want you to consider the illustrations that God gives us in the Bible to help us understand something, something of the things of God and in the service of the Lord. In the Old Testament, we know that the people of Israel traveled through the wilderness, don't we? If you're familiar with the story, they were in slavery and God delivered them out of slavery. But they had this 40-year period where they journeyed through the wilderness before they reached the promised land. Now, in that time, they had to serve God. In that time, they had to worship God. In that time, they had to do the things of God. And so they were required to build a tabernacle, a place of worship, a place of sacrifice. And they would uh, 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 build, put it up, and then they would put it down, and they would keep on their journey. And so this was a tabernacle they would have to build. But they weren't just going to be able to go to um, your local um, uh, stores. To, you, there wasn't like a Kmart up the road or a spotlight to go buy the linen. <laughs> you know, there wasn't, there wasn't these stores in the wilderness, so they had to find a way. So the only, the only thing they could do, God could rely on, was the people. And the people who depended on God. And so the people were required to bring things of themselves, jewellery, gold, earrings, linen, whatever they could bring of themselves, they bring for the tabernacle of God. Now, this is quite a remarkable story because they're in the wilderness. Perhaps they're thinking to themselves, we don't know where we're going. <laughs> we don't know what it's going to look like. You know, we're like pilgrims, but we don't know what's going to be out there. I need to hold on to these things because who knows, I might need them. It's a beautiful picture. It's almost, it's almost identical. It's almost identical to the early part of the book of Acts when everyone gave what they could for the kingdom. But here they were giving of themselves, giving of themselves more linen, more jewellery, more gold, more earrings. They, they kept giving of themselves until the point the Bible says that they gave too much. And so, so they were instructed, they were instructed by Moses to say to the people, enough, it's too much now. It's okay, what you've given is enough. Because the people of God, called by God in this wilderness, relying on God, if you like, gave all that they could for the things of God. They gave so much, they gave too much. <clears throat> That's the problem I want to have in the church. Uh, please, I'm happy to have that problem. I'm happy to speak to the other uh, leaders of the church and say, we've got a problem, brothers. <laughs> we've got a, man, we've got a really big problem. These people, they just don't stop giving. And I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about the heart of service. Oh, no, another one wants to serve. I got a text message again. There's another person who wants to serve. You know, give me that problem. And what Moses said to the people was enough. You've given enough. 
if given enough. Another beautiful illustration in the scriptures is what is who God used in the Old Testament. Now remember, all that God had was these people. And so the Spirit of God empowered these people to become who they needed to become for the work of God, for the service of God. I want to, I want to explain some things to you. Listen to, listen to this. I want to read it out to you. I don't need you to turn to it, but if you, later if you want to turn to it. Sorry, that first reference with Moses was Exodus 35. This next reference is Exodus 34. But don't turn to it. Just listen to it. When God, when God um, uh, needed certain people, he, he, he empowered and enabled people to do this work. And we know that God will always provide to do the work of God. We know that. We know it. He'll always provide what is needed for the service. And so it says in Exodus 35 that all the women who were gifted artisans spun yarn with their hands. And there you go. What am I going to do? I was going to spin yarn. Great. We need you. God's gifted you. Fantastic. Can you do this for us? We need this for the tabernacle. Oh, really? But I just spin yarn. No, no, we need that. Goes on to say, women whose hearts stirred with wisdom, listen to the language, stirred with wisdom, spun yarn of goat's hair. They were sewing. Probably they just did it all their lives like this. But God used this. He needed this for the kingdom. The Bible goes on to say that other people, he filled them with the spirit of God in wisdom and understanding and the knowledge of all manner of workmanship. Listen, to design artistic works, to work in gold and silver and bronze. Here they were, people who knew how to deal with bronze and silver and gold because they were needed. God did this. He gave them wisdom and understanding. Um, it goes on to say, in cutting jewels for setting, this is God's gift to them, and uh, in carving wood and, and, and to work in all manner of artistic workmanship, God gifts them because he needed them for the service. He enabled them to do the work. It goes on to say that with other people, he filled them with the skill to do all manner of work and the engraver and the designer and the tapestry maker. <laughs> all these people who once upon a time probably just, just thought, you know, I just like doing it. I just love doing it. I love engraving. And all of God says, I need you. Yeah, I just, just love sewing scarves, but I need you. And all of a sudden, Everything begins to open up because, listen, brothers and sisters, anything you do unto the Lord, you do for his service. And of course, God is requiring things of us. He's requiring these things. And I want to share those things with you. When Israel were in the wilderness, they were a very feeble people, true? They just come out of, they just come out of slavery. They'd gone into a wilderness. They didn't work out at the 24-7 gym for a few months. They were of weak people. <laughs> and God um, decides to say to them this. He says, when the Lord your God brings you out of the land in which you go to possess, he's going to cast out many nations before you. And then he lists the nations and he says, they're going to be seven nations, listen, greater and mightier than you. Oh, thanks, God. <laughs> seven nations. Greater and mighty than us, great. What are we going to do when we face these people? We're not strong. And God says, great, 
I've got you where I need you to be because you're not strong. Because the work is my work and the miracle is my miracle and the enabling is my enabling. This is a miracle and the joy of service. You're getting what I'm saying? No wonder why in the New Testament God calls the church not an institution. He calls it the body. Isn't that beautiful? And after all that you've heard, you can understand what I'm saying now. God calls it the body because every single part of the body must work. That what you see and what you don't see. Boy, sometimes what you don't see is more significant. True? Man, I tell you, I don't see my heart, but I'm very grateful my heart is still working. Because if my heart decided to stop working, there'd be a big problem. And so what you don't see sometimes is more significant than what you do see. I think that's even a Bible verse. And God calls it a, a body, not an institution, not an organisation. He calls it a body. And a body looks after each other. And a body hurts when one hurts. And a body rejoices when another rejoices. But the body never closes. Do you get that? So having said all that, I pray this morning as I, as I want to I just read, I probably won't go into too much detail, um, that there is a desire in you to serve. And if there's not this morning, listen, there is a commitment. There is a commitment to want to have this desire. I'm seeing a lot in the church lately where people are stepping up and wanting to do things. People are desiring to do this. People are, are, are wanting to do that. People are, are actually doing this and actually doing that. And, and, and it rejoices my heart. My heart rejoices to see this. But I know, I know, these people, like all of us, must understand something very, very important. What does what is the Lord require of us? What does the Lord ask of us in these situations? What is it that... Uh, um, he, he wants from us. So I'm going to read. I probably just want to point on one little point this morning um, and, and then we're going to close, okay? We're going to close in a few minutes. But if you go with me to Titus chapter 2, and I just want to share with you, I just want to read that scripture uh, and just share with you one point. Uh, I had a few more points to share with you, but we'll do that next week. Uh, just one point in Titus chapter 2 to illustrate how God uh, is um, the author the author of all this. That's why it's a miracle. That's why it's a miracle. Titus chapter 2, uh, verses 11 to 14. In chapter chapter 2 of Titus, Titus is in the New Testament, of course, um, and Paul is the author here. And he says this, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that, denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. It's just so much in this already, but we'll look at it slowly. Verse 13, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us 
from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Amen. What a beautiful passage. Now, like I said, I'm not gonna not gonna spend too much time on all these points. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna talk about the first point I have, and that's it. I pray that you are already considering and thinking, wow, God, if you've called me, you've called me with a miracle to serve. This is a miracle. What can I, how can I say no? Lord, what is it that you want me to do? What is it that I need to be aware of? Where is it that I need to be? What's getting in the way, Lord? What's stopping me? Is it my attitude? Is it my behaviour? Is it my heart? What's stopping me, Lord? First and only verse for today. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. This is such a humbling verse. Everything starts, everything begins because of God's grace. The fact you even think to serve begins with God's grace. The fact you even desire to serve begins with God's grace. The fact that you can even are able to serve begins with God's grace. If God's grace did not come to you, (laughs) you would be a selfish man, a selfish woman doing what everyone else is doing in this world. But the grace of God has appeared to all men, all women, all children, everyone has now able to have access to the grace of God. And just like it appeared through Jesus Christ, I want to put to you, brothers and sisters, now it appears to the world through us. That the grace of God that has appeared to all men, because that's where it begins. And when you look at the people who served God in the scriptures, you see so many times how God's grace, God's grace was the very centerpiece, the very beginning of everything that began, that everything that was that unfolded. Look at Adam. Adam had the task of looking after the field uh, and, and, and naming the animals. He had this wonderful work to do. And yet it began with God's grace formed him, life into him. Adam became the the author of these animals, if you like, but without God's grace, he couldn't have done anything. He gave him life to go into this. It began. Consider Moses and Israel's deliverance. We look at Moses and we read Moses, how he was such an influential man in delivering Israel out of slavery. And yet God's grace was there right at the beginning when he was born, rescuing him from a time where there was a genocide occurring. God's grace, the miracle of bringing him out of this genocide, finding a place in Pharaoh's home, and then becoming the instrument of Israel's deliverance. This is God's grace that began the work. The fact that Israel could conquer seven nations greater and and mightier than them was God's grace. He brings them out, enables them, and equips them to do the work that has to be done. In fact, it is God's grace, if you think about, that he took fishermen, listen, fishermen and tax collectors and went and changed the world with them. Amen? The disciples. Fishermen 
and tax collectors? And imagine that on the resume of God. Imagine that. They're putting a resume to God. God, I want to be your disciple. I'm a fisherman. I want to be a disciple, God. I'm a, I'm a tax collector. I'm a zealot. Oh, good. I've got you where I need you to be because you're not self-reliance. You're not self-reliance. You're relying on the power of God. In fact, it gets so significant because when people in the scriptures uh, attempt to become reliant on themselves, they forget and they neglect and sometimes even are confronted by God at the fact that uh, 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 who is it that you're looking to? I remember Moses, when Moses was before God in the burning bush and, and, and God saying to Moses, you need to go back to Pharaoh and you need to tell Pharaoh, you got to let my people go and you got to tell them and, and you need to communicate this message to the people. And he's telling him, giving him all these instructions. And all of a sudden, I don't know whether it was false humility or fear or whatever you want to call it, um, whatever, whatever Moses' experience was, the first thing that Moses could say to God is, God, I can't do this. And his reason is this, I'm not, I'm not eloquent. Neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. What's Moses' response? Again, whether it's false humility or fear, he says, God, I can't do this. <laughs> I'm, I'm not an eloquent man. God's thinking, I reckon God's thinking, who said you have to be eloquent? Who, uh, the last time I was considering this, Moses, I wanted someone who wasn't eloquent. Now, isn't this a beautiful contrast to the Apostle Paul? Who, when he was writing to the Corinthians, says this, I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech, yeah? Eloquency. Maybe Paul knew Moses, as in he had, well, he would have read of Moses, but maybe Paul was thinking about Moses. He says, I didn't come to you with eloquency of speech or excellence of speech or, or of wisdom declaring you to you the testimony of God. And then further down, he says this, I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling, and my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in the demonstration of the spirit and the power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Amen. And so we come to this place and we say, Lord, because you're the author, because the grace has brought me to where I am today. Then I must come before you with a readiness, a willingness, an openness to receive all that you want to teach me, that I may commit to the service that you have for me. The church, brothers and sisters, needs humble leaders, humble servants, Humble helpers. Where are you? This is for the kingdom and it's the miracle of service. And I pray this morning that your heart's stirred and I pray that as you join me next week and the week after, Lord willing, that we really begin to unpack what is it that this looks like? What is it that's required to build on this desire that must exist, if not a commitment to want to find this desire in the days ahead? And I pray, and I'll pray for you, this becomes your truth as well. Let me pray for us as a church. Loving Father, I want to thank you, Lord, for all the listeners this morning, uh, a readiness 
to receive, I pray this morning, a readiness to receive. Father, we uh, come before you knowing that uh, it is a miracle to even want to serve you. And Father, bring joy and strength into this service. Teach us, remind us that we are not doing things just to please others or just to feel good about ourselves. But this is a service unto the Lord. And Father, I pray that your blessing be upon all those who have this desire, that you keep strengthening it and equipping them and enabling them. And I pray for those who know you and lack this desire, that you would work it in them because only you can do this. Thank you, Father. Protect the church over the coming week. Make your face to shine upon us. In Jesus' name. Amen.